Countdown, official Disney Plus podcast. Welcome to the second episode. I'm your host, Blake, and with me are my other amazing co-hosts, Weesey and Hayden. Hello. Hello. Love your enthusiasm today. Thank you. Today we're going to be getting into Artemis Fowl. We're going to be talking about the movie. But before we get into that, how was your guys' um... I was gonna say week, but we recorded our first episode last night, and we are recording at eight o'clock in the morning. So, um, do you guys have any fun dreams? <laughs> any dreams that you remember? No. Hayden. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Not that I care to remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't think I have one either. So, with that awesome conversation, let's get into some of the Disney Plus news. So, in this little bit of news, uh, since we're recording a week earlier, we don't know if there's any big news that's coming this week. Um, so if there is some big news, like, I don't know, what would be really cool on Disney Plus? Pair of Kings getting added. Pair, like, if Pair of Kings was going to be added to Disney Plus this week, we're sorry that we couldn't cover that. But... Uh, we do have what's been told will be on Disney Plus this week. So, Weesey, you want to tell us what's coming to Disney Plus this week? Absolutely. Coming this week to Disney Plus, Rogue Trip. The first season of Wild Congo. The first season of Wild Sri Lanka. An episode of Disney Family Sundays, along with an episode of One Day at Disney. And to tie it all off, we have Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Back to you, Blake. Okay, so I just want to talk about something really quick. So I was with a group of people the other day, and literally, it was maybe like seven people, I think. And, and I think I mentioned this to Weesey. But like four of them said that On Stranger Tides, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, is the best Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Really? How is that possible? Stranger's Tides is the fourth one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the one with the mermaids and... It's the one where they don't have Will Turner or the blonde chick. Yeah, I would disagree with that too. I would honestly just go with the Black Pearl because, like, that's classic. The first... Yeah, the first one is the best. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like a sliding scale after that. I actually really like Dead Men Tell No Tales. I think Dead Men Tell No Tales. Really? I have yet to see Dead Men Tell No Tales. No, I'm sorry. Not Dead Men Tell No Tales. I was thinking about what was just recently announced on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Not Dead Man... Uh, Dead Man's Chest, right? Okay. Yeah. The third one? Yeah. Or no, the second no, one's the Dead second Man's one. Chest. Second one. Yeah. The I second really one's like also the good. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I like all of them. Yeah. I really don't like On Stranger Tides. Really? I... In my opinion, the I've seen all of them, and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies follow like a slipping slide, where like the first one's really good, and then the next one, and then da 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 da, and so like the last one is, in my opinion, the worst one. But like they're all enjoyable movies. Like even if they're not technically engaging, you can still have fun watching them. Yeah, and I will say that On Strangers Tides may be the best part of the Lego video game. Okay. Yeah. I've tried to play Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. I, for some reason, I'm never able to get past, like, the first level of At World's End. I don't know if it was hard, but I just never got to On Stranger Tides. <laughs> okay. But I just want to say, <laughs> even though Dead Men Tell No Tales was not that great, I would probably put Dead Men Tell No Tales over On Stranger Tides. Because I think On Stranger Tides is not very good. Okay. okay, that's interesting. But I don't want to get into an On Stranger Tides discussion because our main discussion is Artemis Fowl. Thank yeah! You. Awesome Ooh, segue, man. Ah, oh, yes, that felt good. I can end my podcasting career here. So, to get us a fresh idea of what Artemis Fowl is about, if you haven't seen it or if you have seen it but want to be reminded what it is, here's the synopsis from Disney Plus. Disney's Artemis Fowl, based on the beloved book by... Do you guys know how to pronounce the author's name? Eoin Colfer? I don't know. I, how do you spell it? E-O-I-N? In? 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 Okay. Disney's Artemis Fowl, based on the beloved book by In Colfer? The author's name? 
uh, is a fantastical spellbinding adventure that follows the journey of 12-year-old genius Artemis Fowl, a descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds, as he seeks to find his father who has mysteriously disappeared. Now, before I move on, I will say that there are some things wrong with this uh, synopsis. For one, um, fantastical? <laughs> Not really. Two, spellbinding? Uh, yeah. not sure about that. Also, they assume that the book is beloved. No, well, okay, here's something. The book is actually beloved. People love yeah. the book, and that's a reason why there are a lot of people that absolutely hate this movie. And then 12-year-old genius Artemis Fowl. Genius? Uh... Hey, he certainly is a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yes. he's played off as a genius, but we never get to see him actually being a genius yeah it's like in movies it's like this person is a genius and then when they like show you he's a genius he's like insert smart person here and he's like i agree with some of their work it's like that's a common line and stuff yeah and i guess that's it for like correcting the uh, synopsis but we do want to say if you haven't watched artemis fowl and you do want to watch artemis fowl we can just give our quick spoiler free opinions on it if you haven't watched it, don't rush to go see it. It's <laughs> it'll always be there. <laughs> it will always be there if you want to, but there's nothing about it that screams this is good or this is unique. Nothing really stands out. Do you guys have any other spoiler-free thoughts? It wasn't good. I like that. <laughs> it insulted my sensibilities. <laughs> really hated it. <laughs> So those are our spoiler-free thoughts. If you want to go watch it, pause this podcast. Go watch it now, and then you can come back and listen to our spoiler discussion of it. But, hear us complain about it. Yeah, hear us complain about it. Or if you l seriously don't care about seeing it, you can keep on listening. Uh, don't push that pause button. And maybe... Mash that like button. Yeah, from here on out. We are talking about Artemis Fowl. Spoiler filled. It, you can't get angry at us anymore if you were like, oh my gosh, you said spoilers and you said that you weren't doing spoilers. There was no spoiler alert. You can't do that now. We're safe. We're, we're, we're good. We're, we good. Spoiler alert. So here's how we're thinking of formatting this particular episode. So we have all watched it. But Hayden has a very, very extensive list of notes, and he probably has notes for every single minute of this movie. We're going to have him kind of lead us on our conversation. We're going to kind of go in chronological order and just kind of talk about our thoughts. So Hayden, you want to start us off with wherever your notes start? All right. I would like to first describe the atmosphere of the movie. It would be like if a Disney executive walked into a board meeting and was like, what if we made a movie that's a Star Wars movie, but it's actually the Lord of the Rings? And then they made that and it's Artemis Fowl. And you're like, oh, I love the Lord of the Rings. I love Star Wars. That would be awesome. And then you watch Artemis Fowl and you're like, this is the worst parts of either series. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. I definitely thought Lord of the Rings. Because I just want to put this out there now. The goblins look like they're straight up pulled from, like, Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Like, Lord of the Rings. I even think they have the same voice actors. They sound the same as some of the, <laughs> the goblins from the Lord of the Rings. It turns out goblins are actually real, and they've been hired as actors. <laughs> yeah, because they look exactly like... The only thing that's different is, like, they're colored differently. Because it's a Disney movie. And you have yeah. to have different colored, like, creatures. It has to be flashy. So I want to talk Josh Gad. <laughs> I want to talk about Josh Gad and his introduction as a mulch. I was not a fan of his deep voice, personally. Yeah, his voice is so annoying. Yeah. At first, it was really annoying. Do you know who Josh Gad is, Hayden? Uh, I'm aware he's in that movie. Beyond that, no. <laughs> he plays Olaf. Olaf in Frozen. Oh, does he? Yeah. You reminded me of Hagrid from Harry Potter. Oh, well, yeah, because it's also Harry Potter. <laughs> like, you know, this this movie is Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Just mixed in a crappy pot. <laughs> and, like, the pot was rotting off, so some of the pot got into the 
mix as well. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it just didn't come out very good. But is it just me or did Josh Gad's voice, did he change it or did I just get used to it? I think he got used to it because I just like, because I also started having less of a problem with it the more he talked later on in the movie. Yeah. I couldn't discern any notable difference. So I assume I just got used to it. But yeah, that first when he starts narrating the movie, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my goodness, because it's so raspy. And it's not like yeah. the kind of like natural raspiness a voice might have. It's kind of the forced like, oh, I speak like this now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I was actually kind of a fan of it because I felt it fit the character. <laughs> Fake dwarf. I agree that it kind of like fit the character. But it still was kind of annoying, yeah. But it was still annoying, and even though I think Josh Gad, his personality may have fit the character, and I've heard other people say that he played a, he like did the character justice, the voice just really bugged me because it's not Josh Gad. Yeah. And there's a difference between not doing your normal voice and like very few people can pull off another voice that's not their own. Josh mm-hmm. Gad, I just don't think, can pull off that other voice. Josh Gad should keep with his normal voices. That is a very good point, Blake, because it also ties into another point I have, which is all of the accents suck in this movie. Yeah. Because they'll have, like, non-Irish people doing, trying to do an Irish accent, and then they'll do it for, like, two lines, and then they'll just forget and do their normal voice. And it's just awful. Like, the worst offender is Artemis Fowl's father, which I'm not sure of the actor. I know he was in Fantastic Beasts, the first movie. As oh, the, that's where I know him from. Okay. As the villain cop. But in this, man, his accent is just all over the place because sometimes he's doing like a soft little Irish lip, you know? And then the next moment he's just talking normally. <laughs> if I can actually talk about him, I actually liked his character just because he seemed pretty cool. I wasn't too like notable of any of the accents, but I just really liked his character. He seemed like pretty cool. But the thing is, he's one of my favorite characters and he's only on screen for like five minutes in total so that sucks there's the therapy session with artemis and oh yeah and the school counselor it okay so like one it felt like jammed in there like it didn't fit the story at all and two back to like the earlier point of like you're trying to show he's a genius but you're just showing him being a brat yeah it just felt like so forced it felt a bit fake too i would like to say that as soon as I saw that scene, I wrote down, Artemis Fowl is arrogant. The lesson of the movie should be for him to appreciate other people and then learn that there are other values other than intelligence. I'm from the class of thought where a movie should have like a moral or a lesson, especially if the movie is about fairy stories, which by definition have morals built into them. My thought would be like, wouldn't it be neat if the movie was about this arrogant kid who knows everything actually learning that there are other values that aren't just in quote unquote intelligence? Like, wouldn't that be a neat movie? But no, 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 no. There is no character development for Artemis. He learns nothing throughout the movie other than he is right and he is <laughs> he is the winner. That's true. That's that's very true. Like the entire thing. I felt was just like, let's make an action movie made for kids. And like, you can't do that. Yeah. At least it's very hard to make that. Yeah. Okay. You can, because there definitely are good ones. It's just extremely hard to do. And speaking about the fairy story subplot is I haven't read the book, but I assume the book might do more with the kind of like intertwining Irish folklore with this new kind of science fiction type thing. And I feel like that would have worked way better. And then, like, they just didn't do it. And then they say at the beginning that the the most important thing in this universe is, like, fairy stories and stuff like that. And, like, mythology and Irish-type mythology and stuff like that. The narrator even says that the story takes place in the most magical place on Earth, Ireland. And then when I heard that line, I thought, the only people who think that are white American women and British colonizers. (laughs) I do just want to clarify that... Hayden said that he hasn't read the book. None of us have read the book. Yeah. So we're going into this just looking at it as a film. From what I've heard, it still doesn't do the books justice. Supposedly, it, like, mashes a ton of books together, like the first three books. Uh, I don't think you should ever be mashing up more than one book together. Because that hardly 
ever goes well. I, I don't think there's one scenario where that does work. Along the same lines, you shouldn't take one book and stretch it into three movies. Oh, I see what you're... Yep, yep, I... I that's... I'm sorry, did someone say The Hobbit? <laughs> How do you guys feel about Artemis's actor? I didn't feel like he could act well. To me, it felt like it was a 14-year-old playing a 12-year-old. Or, like, it felt like someone who was, like, not 12. Like, it, like he was either 14 or he was, like, 16 or something, and he was just playing a 12-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. A 16-year-old playing a 12-year-old who thinks he's a 16-year-old. Who thinks that he's the smartest man in the world. Yeah. Well. I really hate criticizing actors acting, especially if it's, like, a younger kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, his acting just felt so... I don't know how to explain it. It just felt... I don't know if he was too young, because I've seen people his age act really well, so I don't want to say it's that. Because personally, my opinion, I think that the girl who played Holly Short, I thought she was a great actress. Yeah. What? She, okay, like, not a great actress, but she was definitely, like, one of the better actresses and actors in the movie. I don't know. Judy Dench is in this movie. Also, I would like to just take a moment to say, Judy Dench is old as dirt. <laughs> The lady who plays the... Commander Root? Yeah. She has the same thing as the Hagrid character, where she talks in this weird, forced, like, gruff, like, raspy voice. I don't know if it's because she's really old, or because that's what they told her to do. In the scene where they land, and she's like, Top of the morning. And it's like... <laughs> it's like, what? that felt so weird. First of all, like, why did you say that? And second of all, why do you all of a sudden sound like you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day? Yes, yes. Okay, my next complaint about this movie is completely personal. Well, it's not completely personal, but this movie doesn't understand fairy stories at all. And like, normally I wouldn't have an issue with it if it's just like a movie where it's like, oh, this is cool aspects that everyone knows about like Irish fairy story, like true, that kind of thing. And they take it and then they put it in a movie and they change it, like make it science fiction-ish. Normally, I'd have no issue with it. I think it's stupid, like it wouldn't insult me. But this movie is like, this is about fairy stories. And then they do fairy stories wrong. Every time you think they're going to do something clever with fairy stories, they just make a 90 degree turn and just like do something completely wrong. And I like to bring up a few things. Because the number one rule of Celtic fairy stories is that what happens is... You go to the fairies, like it's a human interacting with the fairy world. That's what fairy stories are. There is never an actual fairy story where fairies come into the real world. And that's what this movie is. <laughs> yeah. And so that's my first complaint. And like, I, it might just be like, because I really like Irish fairy stories. I guess that should be a prelude to this, is that I think it, they're like interesting and cool. So like this might be taken as a bit personal. But if you want to understand where my complaints about the fairy, the representation in this movie, just like go read the essay on fairy stories by J.R.R. Tolkien. And if you read that and then you watch this movie, you're like, one of these people understands fairy stories and the other wants to make a whole bunch of money very fast. <laughs> think about that. And, and again, I know that you said it was personal. I think that's still what the book did. Yeah, that's the thing where it's, it's hard to tell when it's the author doing something or when it's the movie doing something, especially because I didn't read the book. So it's like, I understand like the whole like science fiction aspect that was probably done in the books as well. Like I said, I don't have an issue with that, but it's like when they tie in all the other like, oh, we know fairy stories. And then they push that in there. And then like someone who actually does know stuff about it or like even like a minimal knowledge like I have about it. And they're like, no, you don't. And it's, it's just like that kind of things where it makes it like really annoying. And like, I think that's the main thing which took the movie from like dumb, just eh, to like, this insults me. Well, one of the things that I actually kind of admired from this movie, I did actually kind of like the, you can call it a twist in itself, of the fairy or just fantasy world. I liked the general fantasy world that we see like when we go under and we kind of see all the designs of some of the creatures. I don't like the goblins because those are like straight out of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, but I like the presence that the fairies have, even though they're like totally different than like the usual fairy story. I did actually find it a really unique concept. I do think it was a good idea because in the, uh, in the books, Holly, Holly was actually like supposed to look like a adult but she was still young considering the fact that she's like a fairy 
and like 85 or whatever is like really young for a fairy but holly and artemis get together later in the book supposedly but i think something that's up with the fairies in the books is that they're like shorter like not like fairy fairy short but they're like thigh high or something i think they're like torso high like a normal person the top of their head would come to their like shoulders because we oh no, no, no i'm talking about the book Oh, the book. Oh, okay. I think they changed the size from the book. Oh, okay. I I would have no idea about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. So I think that was best. For one, you would probably be using a ton of... I mean, I, I know that they're already using a ton of CGI, but they would have to do a lot more editing to make every single fairy smaller. And it just... I feel like it just wouldn't have fit this movie. So I do think that it was a good idea to have them just normal size. Something else that I kind of wrote down. So when Artemis Fowl Sr. is reported to, like, be missing and Dom... Oh, we didn't even talk about the best character, the butler. We need to talk about him very quickly. Uh, the butler, which I shouldn't be calling him that. I'm sorry, Dom. But <laughs> he is, I think, the coolest character where it's just this guy who was hired as a bodyguard, but he's just the best bodyguard. Probably one of the most unoriginal characters in it, but it's still the most effective. And he's also, he also seems like the least arrogant out of all of them. Because all he wants to do is just do his job and everyone else just cares about themselves. Yeah. yeah, he seems to have a more clear, a much clearer goal than something like Artemis. Because Artemis, yeah, he wants to save his dad, but he's not sure how he wants to get there. Dom just wants to straight up protect Artemis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wants to protect, like, both Artemises, too. It's yeah. the thing where, like, he wants to get the dad back, but he also wants to make sure the son, son yeah. stays safe. One of the problems that I have with the fairies, they keep on saying, like, we can't mess with the human world because, like, then they'll know we exist. But they mess with the human world consistently. Yeah, that's the thing, is there's no consequences for anybody's actions. Yeah. When they do the time freeze at the wedding, they make sure no one's going to die, but they don't fix anything. Yeah, so everything's yeah. just destroyed. Yeah, and so everyone's like, what just happened? whether rather than thinking nothing happened yeah like was there a freak tornado in the middle of italy <laughs> yeah because like one second you're just standing there enjoying some ice cream the next second tables are flipped over even with the time freeze the like nuclear time freeze bomb back at the mansion and they yeah. got the guy getting like flipped over about yeah. to freaky yeah. die at first i thought they were gonna do nothing about him i thought they were just gonna show us that and then they were secretly letting us know this guy's gonna die from that scene until when they like eventually deal with him there's like a solid 25 to 35 minutes of just stuff and then you watch all the stuff and you completely forget about that guy and then when the time freeze bomb is gonna explode holly starts flying towards somewhere doing something and we're like we don't know what she's doing and then the judy dench character is like we'll have your badge for this get back inside right now and we're like why is she not listening and then she saves the dude and it's like okay cool and then she just like and then she still doesn't go home she just goes back to artemis and all of them and she just doesn't follow orders at the same time she feels mature but she also feels immature yeah I want to talk more about just Holly's character and the actress. Again, I say I think she's one of the better actresses. Her and Dom are probably the best actors. Whoever played Holly Short, she reminds me of like Millie Bobby Brown back when she first did Stranger Things. Her acting stands out, I think, from everyone else. And I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see her do something new in the future, like something bigger that's not Artemis Fowl. The biggest franchise. I mean, if you think about it, Artemis Fowl is all of the big franchises in one. So it's the <laughs> biggest franchise. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Figure out a way to add Ice Age into it, and then we got <laughs> yes. the biggest franchise. <laughs> I kind of liked her character-ish. She wasn't yeah. horrible, but at times I was just frankly kind of annoyed with her. Holly Short was probably one of the better characters to me. Uh, better than Commander Root, better than that annoying elf guy that had, like, this kind of face and was like, oh, well, I'm the leader now. Um, oh, yeah, the guy who's, like, brought in by the villain and then does yeah. nothing. Yeah. But then does something and almost kills them all. Like, yeah. yeah, no, and then he, like, deposes the leader. Like, okay, let's talk about this scene real quick, because I think it's very yes. integral to understanding why this movie's weird. 
so basically early on in the movie the main villain who's kidnapped the father comes in and frees this like elf dude who's been arrested for some reason and says you are now back in the elf army and it's like cool but your job is you need to keep my plan going make sure that the good guys have everything they need and have no interference to get back like the weird macguffin whatever it's called the aculos oh yeah the aculos and then like flash forward he's like there he like provides some snarky comments like once every 20 minutes and then we flash forward to the mansion scene and they're gonna storm the house but judy dench doesn't want to storm the house for some reason but she's good with like freezing time and like destroying the house anyway but she doesn't want to invade it <laughs> and then the dude comes up and he's like you're not doing a good job duty dense i'm in charge now and then she <laughs> and then she like force pushes five of the elves away <laughs> and then he's like you shouldn't have done that and then she just gets arrested anyway i'm sorry but how do you allow the guy that just got arrested and have yeah. him go he has importance. He's right. Like, yeah. What? When does that logically make sense? I mean, I like. I guess this is pretty heavy inference on my on my part, but it's like clearly the villain has some influence in the elf government, whatever it is, and he or she gets the elf person back into the army where he was supposedly in before. It, he even says when he's like arresting Judy Dench that he was given power by the executives or something yeah. to like uh... take over charge and he just takes over charge and sends a troll in there and it does nothing else yeah that's true i mean i get i like i get his point is he's supposed to help them but he's but if he's trying to help them why is he sending a troll in it's like what are you doing yeah they're like let's make sure like we end this peacefully and like we get holly back yeah. and get the aculos and then we're like or we could just destroy the house like that yeah. work. like he needs to be either a conniving kind of like negotiator will come to a conclusion but it'll be on my terms or he needs to be like an evil psychopath where he's like we'll just destroy the house and it makes yeah. no sense and then also just fast forwarding a little more judy dench gets deposed for her poor leadership and she's no longer the leader and then we fast forward to the end of the movie when they're back in the elf city New Haven City or the heck. And then she's just the leader again. And there were like no consequences for anything she did. Like she was literally deposed. And then now she's just like leader again. And the same goes for Holly Short, where every time I can count like five or six times in the movie where someone is like, Holly, don't do that. That's against elf law or something like that. And then she does it yeah. anyway. And then at the end of it, Judy Dench is like, you'd make a good officer someday. I want you to do this very important very secret task <laughs> yeah something with the like house battle with the troll like i got to that part of the movie and i was like okay so after this they're gonna they're gonna beat the troll then they're gonna go and like go on another journey to save the father and like so we probably got like another hour left in the movie or something but no like the movie ends like 10 minutes after that i felt like the house battle should have been at like the beginning of the movie and then the rest of the movie is them finding the dad yeah, the thing is, they never find the dad. They just use space magic to bring him back. Yeah. I guess we should talk about the Aculos. I don't understand it at all. The Aculos is the fairy world MacGuffin. And for yeah. people who don't understand what a MacGuffin is, it's a plot element that doesn't matter, but the characters need to get for some reason. And it's just super powerful. They, like, spend five minutes at the beginning just saying the Aculos. It's the most powerful thing in the world. It's the most powerful thing in the fairy world. But we never, like, understand why. Yeah, and they don't even, like, go around trying to find it, like, investigating stuff. They just let some random dude come into the house and find the Aculos, and then they take it from him. Yeah. Or the mulch dude or whoever. Artemis solves the, like, riddle by being like, oh, my dad told me this lullaby every night. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And then when the butler almost dies oh, we need i hated that too. that is so stupid the lullaby i'm like why is that supposed to be comforting to him it was special to you not yeah. to him yeah i felt like i was like okay they're going to the right way like they're adding consequences the butler's going to die yes and then they're like turn on the magic and so holly just like flies back and is like oh, you're not dead anymore. Yeah, it, it, it's that part where it's like, like, I think he should have died. Yeah. Yes. 
it'd be good character motivation for Artemis, for the niece. Also, the niece is the butler's niece. I totally forgot about her character, I'm gonna be honest. She just shows up to be companion to Artemis, but then she has one line of dialogue to Artemis, and then the rest of the movie, she's just in the background. Fighting a troll. Yeah, fighting a troll. And speaking of the butler's death, is his whole death scene reminds me a whole lot of the way Echo died in Star Wars The Clone Wars. <laughs> is because Artemis runs out with a gun and is like, come on, shoot him while he's hanging from the like chandelier thing. And yeah. like that was just like Echo. <laughs> and then instead of the troll falling on Artemis, Dom pushes him out of the way and gets crushed instead. Yeah. Also, it's like, if you were going to shoot him when he's hanging on off a chandelier, why would you stand below the chandelier and just shoot <laughs> up? Because, like, the point of shooting him is he lets go, yeah? Yeah. So why yeah. would you stand where he would fall? <laughs> Dude, even if he did die, I was going to be really upset that the way that Dom died was being crushed by a troll's butt. Yeah. That's not cool. But that is one of the most frustrating things about this movie is Dom's quote-unquote death scene. So, I agree. We totally should have gone consequence for their actions. They got to be more careful. It's going to be great motivation. And then everyone's, well, everyone's quote-unquote sad. But it's like, <laughs> they're just like, Artemis is just like, oh no. Yeah. No, Butler, I'm dumb. <laughs> you were so good. I have a lullaby. One, she popped over the fence, and it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Holly's just walking away, like, super yeah. And then she's like, magic time, and flies back. And yeah. she's yes. like, what the heck? She's just walking away, and she's sad for some reason. Which, she seemed the more impacted by some stranger's death yeah. than anybody else. Yeah. And then when Commander Rue goes, oh, let's turn the magic on. <laughs> It's like uh, Holly immediately knows when it's turned on and she's like, oh, it's magic time. Her blinky light. Oh, the blinky light. Her blinky light, light yeah, yeah, on yeah. her wrist comes back on. For some reason that says when you have magic. Yeah. <laughs> and so she gets the blinky light and she's like, ah! and then she just goes flying at 100 miles per hour. And like, she like taps the Dom and then suddenly he comes back to life. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I love that. What I think would have been even better is if the magic couldn't have healed him. Yeah. The thing that confused me was why, if you live in a magic society, do you need something that tells you if you have magic? Yeah, I guess they're treating it like in the science fiction type thing where it's like weird gadgets where like the magic is the gadgets and they can just like turn off her gadgets if they need to. Okay. But it's like, yeah, that also makes like no sense. You're treating magic more like some weird Star Wars fantasy thing than like yeah. actual Irish folklore magic. Also, I just want to say, because I didn't really put my two cents into the troll fight. I didn't like it. It was stupid. It was from Harry Potter. It was also from the Lord of the Rings. I feel like someone should go back into the movie and then take that scene where they see the troll and then cut in Boromir's voice line of, they have a cave troll. <laughs> Because what Weezy said about, like, they should have done it at the beginning and then go on a journey, that's kind of my whole problem with the whole movie, too. It's a yeah, fantasy yeah. movie. Fantasy movies, like, it's almost considered a necessity to have world building. Yeah. And it didn't have any of that except for, like, the ten minutes that you're inside the fantasy world. There's also literally no journey that takes place. And that's kind of a staple of, like, fantasy fairy stories. It's like Home Alone, but with elves. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think about it like that, but it's that so is true. So, that is so funny. There's okay. no elves in this movie, are there? I don't know. Wait, what are they called? The the flying are they are they fairies? Is that what they're called? Yeah, they're called fairies. But okay. the police force is called Leprechaun because that's an acronym. It's like lower entities police reconnaissance or something. And so it's Lep recon oh my gosh <laughs> and i was like kind of, what that's kind of clever though I'll, I'll give them that no it's still stupid <laughs> but okay the thing that bothered me and i was talking to blake when we first watched this why does mulch get arrested oh by the like m6 by the british secret service 
Yeah, like... Because he's hanging around the house. I don't know, because he's loitering. I, like, that should be a domestic affair, not, a, like, an issue for the British Secret Service. Yeah. I don't understand. I think it was because they said he was an accomplice of Artemis Fowl. I think that was why. Yeah, but, like, it still didn't feel necessary to, like, bring him to, like, someplace out in the middle of the ocean to interrogate him. Yeah. It seemed like it was part of their plan for him to be arrested and then to rescue him. It, it was their plan because they wanted him arrested. Their plan makes no sense because what, <laughs> cause their their line of reasoning was he would get arrested and then they would stop looking for Artemis Fowl and stop asking questions because he would be the incriminating factor, which makes no sense because he's just someone who's there at the house. And then they arrest him and then they break him out and then they're like, all right, plan's done. They don't want us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we got him, boys. And, and he had like a tracking device in him too, right? Like yeah. a homing device? I think so. So were they supposed to, like, figure out where this place was or something? Yeah, that's how they re-get him, I guess. <laughs> this movie, I don't know. Man. This movie, it's like, either it's very confusing or it's very infuriating. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the visuals, Hayden? Yeah, sure. The visual effects, they suck. I mean... <laughs> The original Star Wars from 1977 had more impressive effects than this movie does. It did. I I, I agree with that 100%. Also, The Lord of the Rings, which came out in 2001, also has more impressive effects. The thing that bothered me when the, like, time freeze explodes or whatever, fairies start, like, disappearing. Yeah, it's where they go. Are they just being, like, like, murdered by time or something? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because Holly gets stuck in the time thing as well, and then she's just fine. She just gets tossed around a while. But it seems like all the other fairies who get stuck in it just, like, die. Uh, yeah. Just the visuals in that whole scene where, where they're gonna, like, stretch out. Yeah. Like, mm. It's just, like, it's yeah. so... It doesn't make any sense. Also, the, like, weird comedic thing with when Mulch digs... Where he like unhooks his jaw in a very oh, weird, I hated bizarre. That. Like I just don't understand. Like I'd also like to say I have never read anything in like any type of fairy folklore type stuff where that is how dwarfs work. <laughs> <laughs> where they literally just eat dirt. <laughs> so I assume it's something the author put in, or maybe even the director. But then the question is like, why? Why does he eat dirt? Because you need a butt joke. Yeah, like you need some like weird graphic strange humor <laughs> that doesn't make any sense and just makes people feel like why did the directors put this in instead yeah. of actually laugh it was just kind of unsettling i don't think anyone thought yeah. it was funny it was just like oh it's my like, what? gosh yeah oh i would also like to say the one time the movie actually made me uh, laugh was when mulch and judy dench were talking about their plan and then they were talking about david bowie oh yeah <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're all like you're like david bowie david bowie was a fairy which I guess he was. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And they're like, do you think they'll find out that David Bowie was a fairy? I just thought that was super funny for a number of reasons. First of all, David Bowie is just a very feminine man. <laughs> and so is his music. And it's funny. But David Bowie also played the Goblin King in a movie. Library. Where he was like some kind of weird yeah. fairy guy. And so I just thought that was very funny. That was the one piece of humor in the movie that worked intentionally. I was laughing at other parts, but, you know, not because they wanted me to. I felt like Mulch's, I want to be a normal dwarf, can you make me smaller thing? I felt like that should have gone somewhere, but they just kind of like forget about it. Like, he's yeah. just like, I'm good now. That's another question. The first time we meet Mulch is he's being arrested and he's with other dwarves and he's like, we dwarves need to stick together. And he's like clearly taller than them. And then yeah. the dwarves are like, you're not a dwarf. And so we thought that he was just like a bearded man pretending to That's be a dwarf. What I thought, yeah. And then later on, it just turns out he's an actual dwarf. Yeah. yeah. But he's it just big. Good. I feel like, I think it'd be more compelling if it was just a guy who thought he was a dwarf or wanted to be a dwarf, but he was just like a normal dude or something. Like, I feel like that would be more compelling than just a big dwarf. I do think that was, that just came from the character in the books. Because here's the thing. I think all the characters from this movie are portrayed better in the books, but they still have somewhat of the same motivation and design. Yeah. I'm not sure if the eat dirt thing was part of the book well his name is mulch uh, what is his full name is it like mulch higgins or something digging diggins uh, yeah, because he dig yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> this movie's so smart guys 10 out of 10 <laughs> yes 
Artemis Fell. It has characters. Yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> it has characters in air quotes. <laughs> like 10 air quotes. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, the soundtrack. Literally all of the soundtrack is just like lifted from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I was listening to the music throughout the entire movie and it was just tunes from the Lord of the Rings soundtrack just slightly changed. And I thought that was the saddest thing. <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack, the soundtrack just didn't stand out to me at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the soundtrack's good. It's just unoriginal. And the Lord of the Rings does it far better. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you did the synopsis, but the basic story is Dad gets kidnapped by a mysterious villain, um, sends Taken-type warning to Artemis Fowl Jr. saying, find this MacGuffin, which is called the Oculus, and give it to me if you want to see your father again. And the whole thing is like, they're trying to find the Aculus, while the fairies are also trying to find the Aculus, and then eventually their like searches come together in a standoff at the house, and then eventually they find the Aculus in the house, and then they use the magic to bring the father back instead of giving the Aculus to the person. So they just have the Aculus and the father now. Also, I'd like to say the effect on the Aculus is the Aculus as a concept is equal parts holocron from Star Wars and the One Ring from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It like serves both things. Where it's like a vessel of knowledge and it has that weird little like square move out thing from the holocron. And then it also is like the most powerful weapon, like the One Ring. Yeah. And then at the end of it, Artemis basically does the I have acquired a particular set of skills I'm coming for you speech. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> I have the Oculus. <laughs> Every time they said the Oculus, I just busted out laughing. Whenever Artemis says, says the Oculus, yeah, he's like, it's like, the Oculus. The Oculus. <laughs> also, I've just written down quotes from the movie that I thought were funny. It's like, and they're all from Artemis. They're just like, the Oculus, you need to believe. It's <laughs> dumb stuff like that. He's like, he's not a criminal. He's my god. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was really stupid. It's like, I don't care if he's her dad. He's a yeah. world-renowned villain. He's not a convicted murderer. He's my papa. <laughs> oh, and then when he's talking with uh, Holly, he's like, my father was kidnapped. And then she's like, my father's dead. <laughs> And I just felt like it was something out of, like, a really bad soap opera or, like, a Tommy Wiseau movie. It was, like, a one-upping contest about how yeah. sucky their lives are. Yeah, it's like when you're in kindergarten and it's like, well, my dad works for this company. It's like, well, my dad works for this company. I didn't see why that needed to be in there. Like, It's just, like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you, you know, Alice, we understand one another, Frodo Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> like, we both have fathers who are away from us. <laughs> We should work together. And then she lets him out and she punches him in the face. <laughs> and she's like, can you trust me now? And it's like... And he's like, okay. And it's like, now you can trust me. And it's like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Something else I hated. Slow-mo scenes. All the slow-mo oh, scenes of this we, film sucked. They were just thrown in at super random point. Yeah, I actually enjoyed them because they were very funny. Oh, like, okay. they were not well executed at all. They just made me laugh so much when I saw them. Like, there's this one scene I'm thinking of when it's, like, during the fight scene, and one of the fairies is, like, rolling down the steps of the house. Yeah. And they do slow-mo, and they, like, do the camera, so it, like, goes around them in a 360-degree, like, view. And I just thought that was so funny. Because they, it was, like, so stupid, and it was all CG. They do a ton of other, like, just random, like, when he's flipping through the book at the beginning, they do slow-mo. And I was like, you yeah. don't need to be putting this in slow motion. Yeah, it's just like, what do other movies do? Let's do that. <laughs> but at really weird points. Yeah, yeah, it's like, they watched a bunch of other good movies and then didn't understand what made those movies good. And they're like, okay, we'll just take that and put that here. I feel like I can make a better slow-mo shot with iMovie and on an iPhone 1. Honestly, probably, yeah. The villain... Why? Yeah. So, supposedly, they're not anybody you know, which is stupid. Why are yeah, they cloaked? You, like you should know who the villain is, but you mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. As I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, so this person is probably someone. So I'm thinking it all through like a Scooby-Doo movie or show. And yeah. we come to the end and it's not revealed who it is. And I asked the people who had read the books 
And they're like, it's just, that's just who they are. It's just like some random person? Yeah, it's just the villain. They are no other person. And it's like, why didn't you show us their face then? Yeah, it's just like the Witch King from The Lord of the Rings. And, and yeah. he also has like the voice amplifier thing. So it's also oh, like yeah. it's, they're trying to hide their voice too. But why do you need to hide the voice if we already... If you're not someone we know. Like... Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like in the like if they make a sequel to this movie, they're going to like have the villain take off the hood. And then it's like, you know, one of those things where they take off the hood and someone you know, they're just going to take off the hood and some random person. And it's like, <laughs> it's going to be one of those cliche things, but we're yeah. not going to understand what's happening. Yeah, it's Chris Pine. <laughs> 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 and you could tell this movie thought it was going to be so good and was setting up yeah. like five more movies. I think that's the most like infuriating thing for me. You can tell the makers of the movie are like, oh, that's going to be the best movie. We have all the best things. We're so original. But then like all the time we're like, we know what you're doing and it's not entertaining. And it's almost like I want to see what else they make just to see yeah. if they happen no. to like get lightning in a bottle and actually get something good. But I know no. they won't. bothered me was the big scene that like I remember being like okay this movie might actually be good in the trailer was the lady in the white robe who like floats in the sky and it isn't even in the movie yeah it's in a deleted scene wait what so in the trailer there's this part where it's this like lady like robed in white clothes and she just floats up into like the sky and like freezes in front of them basically oh like princess leia in the last jedi <laughs> More or less. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that actually looks kind of cool. I wonder what that is. Like, I want to see this movie now. And it's not even in the movie. Who would even be that character in white? Is it just a character they cut out of the movie? Yes. It's in a deleted scene where they go to, like, Vietnam. And they meet this old lady. And she turns out to be, like, this really young fairy. But she's just been disguised as this old Vietnamese lady. <laughs> It's actually interesting because yeah. it actually shows a bit of Artemis's intellect that you don't really see in the movie. He yeah. tricks her, like holy water or something like that. He like has her drink holy water, which I- Holy water. <laughs> Fairies are allergic to holy water. It was like poison to them. And so he's like, I have the antidote. Now you would tell me, like, what, what did she even give them? It was like, it was something they have in the movie. The Aculos! Yeah, I think it was, where is the Aculos? Oh, I think it was a book that was telling you where the yeah. Aculos was and how to get it. Which and is so, back in the house! No, but the thing is, <laughs> this is how they get it. Like, I think this is canon to the movie, they just cut it out because it was hard to fit in somewhere. No, the dad already had the Aculos. He stole the Aculos. Oh, I thought you were talking about the book. Oh, no. I yeah, don't know yeah. anything about the book. Okay, but if you haven't seen the deleted scene... You should probably see it just because it's a general <laughs> like honestly it's one of the better scenes of like the movie like if they could yeah, have put the it in the scene I... is more interesting than the actual movie <laughs> almost actually the only thing that bothers me about the deleted scene is at the end of it they're on a plane flying back from vietnam and dom is like i haven't been a very good butler and I'm like, you told us not to call you a butler, yet you call yourself a butler. Maybe he was speaking rhetorically because his last name is Butler. It's like, maybe I haven't been true to my family. I'm sure that's what it was, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> that's really all my thoughts on the movie. Do you guys have anything else? Not yeah, really. I'm done speaking about this piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then I guess we should go into giving it a number grade. I feel like I'm not... Is it considered a grade, the 0 to 100 thing? Would you consider would that? that yeah. Okay, so we're going to give it a grade. 0 to 100. Do any of you guys want to start? I am going to give it a 46. 46. Yeah. Okay. Blake, if you give it anything over a 50. Actually, nope. I'm bringing that down to a 44. What is with these numbers? <laughs> What's the difference between the two? One is above and one is below 45. In my opinion, it's a 2 out of 10. 20 out of 100. 2 out of 10. Because it genuinely insulted my intelligence. But it was also, like, a 1 out of 10 is a movie that I switch off. Is I just stop watching. And the thing is, I watched all of this movie. I actually think one of the best things this movie does is it is only an hour and 40 minutes. 
Because yeah. if it was any longer, yes. it would have been 10 times worse. Yeah. It felt like the movie that needed like that Lord of the Rings runtime, like that three hours yeah. to get all the characters and stuff working, interlocking together. But if it yeah. was three hours long, I would have turned it off. Yeah. It sacrificed its goodness by being shorter, but that's also the best choice they made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I'm having to rank it above the sing-along. Why? Did this genuinely entertain you more than the sing-along? Yes. Really? Okay. Well, hmm. you and I are of different minds. Oh, I think I put like a 40, 48 or 38 or something for some. You did 30 because yeah, you did 38. For some reason, I was the nice guy, even though I was slamming it the hardest and I gave it a 50. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 27. 27? Okay, that's fair. So what, what are the grades we have? I have 27. 20 out of 100. 20. I'm going to bump it down to... <laughs> A nice even 40. Okay. Okay. So we've actually talked about this. We're actually going to put this in two separate ranking lists because it kind of relates to two different categories that we want to put out there. We're going to have one that's Disney plus originals and we're going to have one that is Disney live action. Do we want to do like Disney live action adaptations? So we could also do reboots and books. I think that go in adaptations. Okay. So we'll do... We'll do Disney Plus Originals and Disney Live Action Adaptations, which yes. include both the reboots and book adaptations. Yes. All right. Well, then, I think with that, I think we're... But next week, we're going to be talking about Emperor's New Groove, which Woo! is going to be the first good thing we're watching on Disney Plus for this podcast. The first genuinely entertaining... Yes, I cannot wait for this discussion. It's just going to be us quoting the movie. Yes, yes. Ah, there are so many good quotes. Okay, anyway, thank you guys for joining us (laughs) for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Weezy and Hayden, for joining me once again. Yep. And we're just the boys being dudes. We'll plus you later. Do you think we had a good post-credit scene in there? We probably had I don't know. one somewhere. Can, there is probably something in there. So, something stupid. Yeah. Hi, I'm Blake Brown, and welcome to Disney Plus The Boys on Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>